Hello, and welcome to the All Things ADHD podcast from Chad's National Resource Center on ADHD. I'm your host, Susan Booning, and I'm here today with Dr. Roberto Olivardia, and we're going to talk about ADHD and suicide. Tell me why this is a topic that you wanted to present. So I think this is one of those topics that's obviously um, a difficult one to talk about, Mm -hmm. but I think a very important one. Mm -hmm. Um, We have an epidemic of suicide in this country. Uh, For the first time in decades, our life expectancy is actually less than it was the previous year. And one of the top two reasons for that is suicide. And I have a lot of patients that I work with and people I know who have ADHD, mm-hmm. who struggle with suicidal ideation. Some mm-hmm. have made suicide attempts. And they talk about certainly being depressed and having issues like that, but they actually talk about what ADHD and the impact that that has had on their life. And that's not sort of talked about as much. You know, when we hear, okay, well, someone is depressed or someone right. has bipolar disorder. But when you hear, oh, someone has ADHD, that somehow doesn't get as much in the clinical arena when we're talking about suicide. So Mm -hmm. I thought this is a a great arena to put it into this audience Mm -hmm. and the ADHD community. Mm -hmm. And so my goal is to let people out there with ADHD know that there's help when you struggle with feelings of of suicidal ideation and, and that there's a validity in the struggle that they're in and also to just bring awareness to the topic of suicide, which is a huge, huge problem. Mm-hmm. Are people with ADHD at higher risk for suicide? Yes, that with these studies, and there isn't a huge body of scientific literature, but enough where we mm-hmm. have a, certainly a lot of robust findings that have found that having ADHD can at least double, if not triple, the risk of suicide. Wow. And that is after controlling Mm-hmm. sometimes for comorbid disorders, controlling for socioeconomic factors, uh, for a lot of other factors that there is a risk there. Mm-hmm. And in addition, when studies have looked at people who struggle with mental illness, that we find that when they also have ADHD, that there's an additive risk to suicide. Mm-hmm. So one study, for example, found uh, in a sample of people with bipolar disorder that about 22% of them had attempted suicide, whereas mm-hmm. people with bipolar disorder and ADHD, almost 50% of them wow. had attempted. Mm-hmm. So ADHD presents a pretty significant risk. And Mm -hmm. again, where it's not as clinically looked at that Mm -hmm. a lot of times, even in ERs, when they screen for issues of mental illness, and ADHD Mm -hmm. is not a mental illness, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't mean that it doesn't have this pretty serious impact on a person's sense of well-being. And what's the connection? Why are people with ADHD at higher risk? Well, there are a lot of different theories. I mean, one of in the field of suicidology, uh, one of the leading suicidologists is a uh, psychologist by the name of Thomas Joyner, who has written these fantastic books. And he presented a model called the Interpersonal Psychological Theory of Suicide. And he talks about three pretty robust factors that increase somebody's likelihood of dying by suicide. 
One is a thwarted belongingness or a mm-hmm. sense of not belonging. Mm-hmm. The other is a, a sense or a perceived sense of burdensomeness. And the other is what he called an acquired ability to enact lethal self-injury. So what that means is people who basically are getting used to or can learn to tolerate and sensitize themselves to pain. Mm -hmm. And that could be in the form of self-harm or Mm -hmm. self-mutilation, but it can also be in the form of accidental uh, situations, accidents, Mm -hmm. um, unintentional injuries, um, surgeries, things like that. Because what we do know from people who struggle with suicidal ideation, that the fear of pain can be a very prohibitive factor mm-hmm. to um, committing an act of, mm-hmm. of suicide. Um, so with his theory, when I apply that, and when we think about that with ADHD, we think about, you know, do people, are there lots of people with ADHD that don't feel they belong Absolutely. If you struggle with significant executive functioning issues, um, which make it very difficult to hold down a job that right. affect your relationships mm-hmm. and you're not the person that's getting invited to the parties and mm-hmm. you're the one excluded from the social group, um, a sense of burdensomeness or a perceived sense of burdensomeness. I mean, we know that, again, with executive dysfunction, that could create problems in uh, people's lives, especially adult um, individuals who are undiagnosed or untreated, who may be somewhat of a financial burden um, and an emotional one if they're the context of the problem isn't really understood. And we also know that people with ADHD are at much higher risk to have accidental injuries. They There's a literature looking at self-harm, particularly with girls with ADHD, and find that girls with ADHD are at much higher risk for uh, bulimia nervosa, for mm-hmm. uh, self-injury, all of which sort of help in a sense, somebody get used to mm-hmm. pain mm-hmm. and not fearing it. And so when I hear from patients of mine who talk about the utter feeling of hopelessness, of not um, feeling like they kind of belong in society because they just can't get their act together, because they've been told they're lazy or they're stupid or mm-hmm. they're you know, drains without mm-hmm. anyone really understanding what that's about. And even with patients of mine who under who know that they have ADHD, mm-hmm. there's still a lot of difficulty around how impactful it can really be. And, all and that negative messaging. A lot of negative messaging. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you think about just, you know, I, I, there are if we could count how many messages somebody by the age they hit puberty, mm-hmm. even with ADHD, it's numerous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what are the specific risk factors then for people with ADHD? So we know that um, certainly executive functioning issues is, is a risk factor because when you struggle with executive functioning uh, problems, that affects every life domain. It affects your, it can affect your social life, your financial life, uh, your career, uh, certainly academics, um, the ability to get anything done in that way. So we know that people 
with ADHD who have really significant executive impairment uh, tend to be at high risk. We also know that when it comes to relationships, and this is true for um, you know lots of people who struggle with suicidal ideation and feeling very connected in their relationships. Now, mm-hmm. that doesn't mean that they don't have relationships. Lots mm-hmm. of people who die by suicide have very loving people in their lives. Um, they have a hard time somehow connecting to to those relationships a lot of times because they're so um, kind of in their own pain Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways and having ADHD it's it can be such an internal experience for a lot of people especially if you don't have a language to really describe to somebody what the problem is you know I think with something um, and even with depression I mean there's still a lot of stigma around Mm -hmm. depression and OCD and substance abuse but it's still I I remember a patient of mine saying you know he went to um, a suicide prevention group it was a support group and people were talking about struggling with schizoaffective disorder and bipolar disorder. And it was a very welcoming community. Mm -hmm. He said he couldn't bring himself to say, I'm here because really my ADHD is making me feel like a waste in society. Um, And I'm depressed because I have really bad ADHD. He couldn't say that. And he said it was of no fault of anyone in that room. He said he Mm -hmm. felt they probably would have supported him, but he, his own shame Mm -hmm. couldn't get past it. And that factor is a huge factor. That's and been a really hard thing to talk about for a lot of people. Absolutely. I mean, one of the pri- the first things I do with any patient that I work with, regardless of what issue they come in with, is really addressing how much they accept, like fully accept the diagnosis that they have. So what does it mean to have ADHD? We have to accept it. We don't always have to like it, mm-hmm. but we have to accept it in order to then avail ourselves to support and to services, but also accepting it means to help have compassion Mm -hmm. for the self around Mm -hmm. it, that this isn't Mm -hmm. your fault. It's nobody's fault. Um, It's just, it is what it is. And, you know, the ADHD is talked about um, in a spectrum of different ways. And there are wonderful things that people talk about, you know, with having an ADHD brain. But I always preface that by saying that that's assuming all of the other things are kind of taken care of. Um, you know, that the the creativity and the spontaneity and the entrepreneurial spirit that some people with ADHD have, yeah, that, that those are wonderful things. But that's assuming that all the other stuff is taken care of because right. those other things aren't taken care of. Those things aren't going to be expressed to the world. And then it leaves people wondering, what is the point? Right, right. And and so much shame too. Oh, so you know? tremendous, yeah. tremendous amounts of shame. I, I feel luckily with younger people I work with, I hear less of the shame now mm-hmm. um, because most of, I would say every person under the age of 18 that I work with has a friend that mm-hmm. has ADHD, mm-hmm. has many friends with ADHD who are very open about it. They might get their medication at lunchtime at the nurse's office. There's no hiding it. There's mm-hmm. no... So that's good in mm-hmm. that way that there's less stigma. With older adults I work with, it's it's amazing. And I don't 
can we blame them? I mean, I'm working with a man now who's 62, who was called a dummy by his teacher, who was told um, that, you know, he has a bad brain, he has a defective brain. I mean, these (laughs) talk about negative messaging. And he struggled with depression and has attempted suicide multiple times in his life. Um, And it was when we started exploring the ADHD that he said, finally, it finally sort of was an epiphany for him as to this was really where a lot of the suicidality came from. It, he was depressed because of the ADHD. Mm-hmm. Are there gender differences mm-hmm. in terms of suicide and suicidal ideation and ADHD? So we know with suicide that men are four times more likely to die by suicide. Mm-hmm. And, and in the field of suicidology, we're moving away from the term committing suicide mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. because commit tends to denote a sin or something bad. Right. And we're trying to take sort of the stigma away from the the pain and the, the lived experience that people yes. have with, with this. Um, so we know that men are four times more likely to die by suicide. Women are 10 times more likely to attempt suicide. And with ADHD, we don't, I think the gender differences we still see there. And part of that is that men are more likely to use firearms when dying by suicide. And over 90% of firearm attempts result in fatality. Um, But I would would guess and hypothesize that the percentage of women who have ADHD um, in terms of suicidal ideation is higher than what you – the gender gap is probably not as – as, as disparate as what you would see in a non-ADHD population. Um, so I think that that's something we have to continue to explore. What about prevalence by age groups? Are there certain age groups that are more susceptible? Mm. And if so, why? So with ADHD, we don't know yet. We know with when we look at suicide as a whole um, that individuals between the ages of 15 and 24 are at high risk, as well as um, particularly men over the age of 60 are at very high risk. Mm-hmm. Um, so we find that the 15 to 24 range, there's a tremendous amount of transition, and we can certainly assume that when ADHD is thrown in there, we're going to see a much higher rate. I mean, think about what happens between 15 and 24. I mean, you're in high school, you're graduating high school, you're possibly going to college or a job. You could be settling into a long-term relationship, or at least your friends around you start to settle into relationships. You get your first apartment, maybe. Um, there's a, a so much, and puberty is thrown in there as well. Just and the for, executive function uh, challenges, oh. and then, then some of the maturity challenges. Oh my gosh, who would yeah, who would want to go through puberty again? <laughs> um, I mean, there is a lot there to unpack. Yeah. Oh, if there's any time I would not want to go back to is the. the <laughs> school years, they were so just tumultuous. I mean, there's just a lot happening in in those years. And the over 60 group, a lot of it, um, particularly with men, has to do with sort of a lot of people are retiring and their careers are ending. And if your identity was just wrapped up into work, then what do you have left? And what we do find in general, that men are less likely to have kind of long-term friendships um, in their older years. They tend to be friends with who their wives' friends' husbands are. Um, And so uh, a lot of times 
they lack that sort of relational domain in their life. Um, in addition, our bodies at 60 start to you know, not work in the same way mm-hmm. as, as it does when we're 20. And that could be very difficult for people to kind of wrap their heads around and, mm-hmm. and start to think about. Um, a lot of people contemplate also what what have I done with my life? How do I look back on my life? And mm-hmm. for many people, that could be very wonderful, a very mm-hmm. great experience of reflection. And unfortunately, for a lot lot of people, it's, it could be a very dark place. What do we need to do to reduce suicides in the ADHD community? Well, first, we definitely need to talk about it, which is why I, I appreciate this conversation. Um, we need to keep the dialogue and let people know that this is a very serious issue when mm-hmm. it's not treated and when it's not managed, when shame is is this big impediment mm-hmm. to it, when we don't get proper education. There's a lot, as you know, written about ADHD that's just just wrong. I mean, it's just, you can go online and just read stuff and think, oh my gosh, this is such misinformation. Yeah. And I would say with, with all the different conditions and issues that I treat, ADHD is probably the one that's, that people think they know the most about and know the least about. Isn't it true? Yes, absolutely. (laughs) It's, it's remarkable how, uh, whereas I know lots of people that know that they don't know much about OCD, let's say. Right. But with ADHD, they're like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm ADD or, you know, it's sort of been put in the popular vernacular. Um, I think we need to continue just educating people about what it is and what a serious impact this can lead to. Mm -hmm. So when you're at that IEP meeting Mm -hmm. advocating for your child, Mm -hmm. we need to get across to those educators that if this child doesn't get the services they need, this can be a very dark road for this person. And it can sound very pessimistic, but it's true Mm -hmm. in the sense of we're, we're not just educating somebody academically, we're setting themselves up to develop a sense of self Mm -hmm. in every one of these domains. Mm-hmm. Um, in in the field of suicidology, I'm you know going to those conferences and having mm-hmm. conversations and those to educate people about ADHD and uh, which I've always loved doing is sort of crossing you know building the bridges between these communities and um, really having more dialogue mm-hmm. uh, about it and just letting clinicians also know that this to ask their patients about whether they feel suicidal, whether they have suicidal thoughts. It's okay to do that for parents asking their children if they've ever had, have, asking somebody if they have suicidal thoughts does not give them suicidal thoughts. That's a myth. In mm-hmm. fact, it can actually be a great source of relief for people mm-hmm. to then begin a conversation about it. Mm-hmm. And also we need to, to look more at all of these negative messages and the impact of it and make sure that educators and parents and others are aware that the negative messages they may be giving. Oh, absolutely. I mean, just to, you know, I, I, all of my patients can rattle off many anecdotes of comments um, that are made of facial expressions of disapproval, Mm -hmm. of rejection in social Mm -hmm. situations, and really bring it down to a lot of their ADHD symptoms. Mm -hmm. And it's um it is so important that you know we understand the power of words mm-hmm. and we're in a time right now where you know that's very important in terms mm-hmm. of what words get 
tweeted and what words get mm-hmm. put online. And um, with ADHD, that's that's all the more important. Absolutely. What are the recommended interventions at this point for someone with ADHD who may admit or may talk about the fact that they are contemplating suicide? Well, certainly what we find is that um, psychotherapy and and treatment can be very helpful. Just the fact that an individual is talking about Mm -hmm. having suicidal thoughts is a huge step in and of itself. The fact that they're expressing that and letting somebody know about it. Because many people, unfortunately, who struggle with this never tell anybody. And then if they die by suicide, people are shocked in hearing that. That happens way too many times. Um, and so for people, once they express it for the people around them, whether it's a loved one, um, to not be scared by it in the sense that, I mean, you, we want to be obviously concerned, mm-hmm. but not be scared in the sense of letting that person know, oh, I wish you didn't tell me that. Mm-hmm. Um, we want to say, thank you for telling me that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's very important. And ha- let's get you help. Right. And having that person see a therapist who is, is certainly when it's someone with ADHD, who knows a lot about ADHD. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's very, very important. Um, I can't stress enough, you know, just like I would never tell someone with OCD to see someone who kind of knows about OCD right. because the the treatment is so specific and so important that they get the right treatment. And ADHD, again, is one of those things that sometimes clinicians might list as one of the many things they treat. And I just tell people, interview the therapist and just make sure they really get it in that way because it is very important to understand what impact that can have on the sense of self when it's very apparent. I mean, I talk to so many people with ADD, and I know from my own experience with ADD, you know at a very young age, you don't even have to know the term ADHD to know that there's something different about Mm -hmm. the way you operate Mm -hmm. in the world. And some people can look at that and think, well, okay, well, I like the way I do things, so I don't know why those people are doing it that way. Or it's very easy to say, what's wrong with me that I can't do that? And it starts very, very young. Mm -hmm. And so it's um, beginning to have those conversations, getting people treatment. And we know through cognitive behavioral treatment, um, dialectical behavior therapy, or DBT, Mm -hmm. which um, is actually a treatment that was designed for people with borderline personality disorder, Mm -hmm. but has since can be effective in multiple different uh, diagnoses because it focuses on four very important modules, mindfulness, Mm -hmm. emotion regulation, distress tolerance, and interpersonal effectiveness. All great things that someone who struggles with suicidality needs to learn skills for and practice and get good reinforcement. Mm -hmm. And for people with ADHD, it can be really, really helpful. Thank you so much. This is, it's such an important topic. And I just thank you so much, Dr. Olivardia, for coming in today to talk to us about well, this. Thank you for having me and for and opening allowing. this conversation. It's a conversation that really, it's difficult, but yep. very serious and, and one we really need to have. Thank you very much. Oh, thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of the All Things ADHD podcast from Chad's National Resource Center on ADHD.